You know, folks, faith is a very important component of the Christian life. It's by faith that we come to Jesus. It's by faith that we are saved. It's by faith that you and I are to lead our lives. Now, you would assume that we know that, but I'll be honest with you, you can get saved by faith and then try to live the Christian life on your own, period, and not realize that everything about our life as a believer is to be lived by faith. Now, the Bible has a lot to say about faith. Faith is there from the beginning of the scripture in Genesis all the way through to Revelation. But if you were to ask the average person who goes to a church what their definition of faith is, they would probably just say to you that faith is just belief. And so they would say, oh, I believe, I have faith. I believe in a set of facts. Well, faith is a whole lot more than that. You know, I, you know, I just went to the dentist this week. I got an appointment coming up this week, so I'm, I'm in the dentist office, and I see all the equipment and all the assistants, people reaching into my mouth. And I can believe these people know what they're doing, right? And so when the doctor comes in and says, hey, George, you got a hole in one of your teeth. When's the last time you had a filling? And I'm thinking, the 70s? And now I've got to have a filling? And I'm, So, okay, we're going to schedule you on Tuesday to fill that thing. I've got to trust him to know what he's doing, right? I can have faith that he has the knowledge, but i got to trust him to what? Handle my tooth, right? Isn't that where we're at? That's what faith is. Faith is more than just belief. Faith is trust. In fact, here's what the Bible says about faith. It's all the way over in Hebrews. I read this to you last week. Hebrews chapter 11, the writer of Hebrews, it's the great faith chapter. Here's what he says. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So that's what faith is. Faith is trusting in even that which I haven't seen. It's trusting in God. It's trusting in God. Now, you say, okay, that's wonderful, George, but the fact of the matter is, is I don't have enough faith. I don't have enough faith. I've seen these guys on TV. If I had enough faith, I would see all these things happening. In fact, if you listen to the guys on TV, they would tell you if you have enough faith, you would be healthy and wealthy. You wouldn't get sick at all. In fact, folks, after this winter season with everybody getting sick, it's obviously pointing out that we don't have enough faith, right? Wrong. They're lying to you. That's not the issue. The issue isn't a question of you having enough faith. Therefore, that's why you're poor. That's why you're struggling with your health. That's not the issue. Don't listen to those guys on TV. The reality is, is that Jesus is the one who gives you faith. In fact, it's interesting. If you go all the way over to Luke chapter 17, verse 6, you may want to write this verse down. Luke chapter 17, verse 6. Let me read you what he says. Okay, this is what Jesus says. So the Lord said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea, and it will obey you. Some of the other Gospels will record Jesus saying, you'll say to that mountain, uproot yourself and be cast into the sea. Now you're sitting there saying, well, see, George, it's saying that if I have faith, I'll be able to do that. I'm going to tell you right now, I've been looking at my garden with all the weeds, and they're not uprooting themselves because I have enough faith. That's not the issue. 
I don't have enough faith. Just even get rid of one weed, let alone a tree. Actually, our English translation does us a disservice here. An if-then statement is, we understand those. If this, then this. And that's what Jesus is saying. If you have faith, then you'll be able to do this. Well, in the Greek, there are three types of if-then statements in the original languages here. And the type that's used here is called an implied reality. An implied reality. What does that mean, George? Well, the first part, it says, if you have faith as a mustard seed. That's the reality. So Jesus is saying to you, you and I have faith like a mustard seed. And because of that, the reality is, is you can say to that tree, uproot itself and be cast into the sea. So what's Jesus talking about? You have faith, you need to execute it. You have faith, but you need to execute it in your life. And the problem is, though, can I be honest with you? Most of us don't execute our faith. Well, wait a minute, George. You're sounding like the guys on TV who says, I just need to name it and claim it. I just need to speak the word and name it. That's not what I'm talking about. Because the execution of your faith isn't that simple. What do you mean? Well, if you go over to James... James, in the very first chapter, talks about trials and stuff that we go through. Well, let me read you the verse. James, let me go there. James, chapter 1. He says this, my brethren, verse 2, chapter 1, Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Oh, wait a minute now. Stop, James. Did you hear what he just said? Okay, how many of you have been through it this week? How many of you have been through it this week, okay? You got, I mean, it's it's tough, right? Can you sit there and say, oh, I'm excited, I went through something this week. Nobody can say that. But that's what he's saying here. Why? Because you going through it tests your faith. See, your faith is what brings you through it. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's executing the faith that brings you through it. Because a lot of times, though, when we go through it, though, we're, that's when we say we don't have any faith. Well, actually, you do. And that's when you're supposed to hold on to it. And that's what we're going to see today in our next chapter in 1 Samuel. Remember, we're in 1 Samuel talking about weathering life with a sovereign God. We're talking about faith lessons from Samuel. We're going to see about faith today. We're going to see about faith today because really it's an issue. Well, I, I call it the ultimate issue. If you look at, if you have a bulletin, if you look on the back, there's something for you to fill out there. I'm going to talk about the ultimate issue that all of us face day in and day out, week in and week out, especially if you're walking with Jesus. Here's the ultimate issue, okay? First thing, two things here. Number one, when you face a crisis, Here's what we do. You look to yourself to handle it. That's what we normally do. When you face a crisis, you look to yourself to handle it. Isn't that? That's just natural. 
That's what we're taught, or at least that's proper training is when you train, as, as a child, you've been trained by, if you face something, don't be a crybaby, handle it. And that's just natural human instinct. So when you face the stuff you're going through, you try to handle it on your own. And if you can't handle it on your own, guess what you do? You call the next person who might be able to help you. Or you look to somebody who's normally been there. So when you face a crisis, what we normally do is, is you look to yourself to handle it. Now, but here's the problem. The problem is, is that the problems we face are going to ask us a question. The problems you face are going to ask you a question. Every problem you face asks you a question. Here's what it is. It comes down to the question, how big is your God? See, that's what the issue of faith is. Remember I said, James says, the test, the, you count it all joy when you fall into various trials because that is the testing of your faith. What do you mean the testing of your faith? That's when the question is asked, how big is your God? How big is your God? And so there, you're like, well, there are little crises that we go through. Some of them are financial. Well, how, how big is my God to help me through this financial crisis? Sometimes the crisis is the doctor telling you you have cancer. Oh, no, what am I going to do? How big is your God? Maybe it's a relationship problem. How big is your God? See, that's what the issue of faith is. Faith isn't speaking the word, cancer go away, like some of the guys on the TV would say. First of all, that is not realistic. But it's how big is your God? Where's your trust? Where's your faith to hold on to in the midst of all that you're going through? So that brings us to this story, this historical record in 1 Samuel 17. And, and we know the story because you heard it in Sunday school. The story of Goliath, the Philistine, the giant, who comes out against what? Israel. And, and, and so let's look at this together. We're going to look at this passage. We're not going to read. There's, there's like 54 verses, so I'm not going to read everything because we're all familiar with the story. Hopefully, and I would encourage you to read it later on, but we're going to look at several things here. So let's look first of all at verses 1 through 11. So if you have your Bibles, okay, look with me at verse 1. Now the Philistines gathered their armies together to battle and were gathered at Sokoth, which belongs to Judah. And they encamped between Sokoth and Ezkei in Ephnes Damim. And Saul and his men of Israel were gathered together, and they encamped in the valley of Elah and drew in battle array against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on a mountain on one side, and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side with a valley between them. And the champion, and a champion went out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head. He was armed with a coat of mail. The weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. He had bronze armor on his legs and a bronze javelin between his shoulders. 
Now the staff of his spear was a weaver's beam, and his iron spearhead weighed 600 shekels, and a shield-bearer went before him. Then he stood and cried out to the armies of Israel and said to them, Why have you come out to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and you the servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourself. Let him come down to me. And if he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. And if he prevails, prevail against, and if I prevail against him and kill him, you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistine said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. And when Saul and all his, all Israel heard these words of the Philistines, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Now look at verse 12, just the first two words. Now David. Let's stop there. We know the rest of the story. David, of course, goes on and defeats Goliath. But what we're going to see here from this passage, because we're talking about faith this morning. We're talking about faith and you exercising your faith in your lives, no matter what happens around you. And we're talking about faith because we want to correct some of the bad things that are out there that you're hearing out there and the assumptions that we even embrace without even realizing it. We want to talk about faith and your response in the midst of the crisis. Because there actually are, and that's what our title is, and that's what our message is entitled today, is two different responses. You can respond to life one of two ways. Do you understand what I'm saying? You can respond to life one of two ways. There's the response of fear. We're going to talk about that here in a moment. And there's a response of faith. Does everybody understand fear? And, and let's, can we be honest? We oftentimes will respond out of fear, right? Isn't that our first knee-jerk reaction is to respond out of fear? Because we're afraid of a lot, aren't we? We're afraid of a lot of things. In fact, we try to control our lives by our fears because we want to make sure that the things that we're afraid of don't happen. And so we're going to see two different responses. So the first one we're going to look at is the response of fear. And here's what we're going to focus on, verse 11. Look at verse 11. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistines, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. So here they are, they've got a crisis, they've got this giant who comes out, who's defying the armies of Israel, which is basically defying God. And their response? Fear. Fear. So let's see three things here. Number one, first of all, the crisis intimidates you. The crisis intimidates you. All right, so I'm not talking about just any problem. All right, so everybody recognize we face problems all the time? Everybody agree with that? Problems come in different sizes. So like there's the problem, you know, it just happened with us recently. I'm getting into the car, and it's hot outside. Remember we had those few hot days? And so I'm getting into the car, and I'm turning on the air conditioner, and all that's blowing out at me is hot air. That's a problem, Right? Now, that's not a problem that you go to bed at night quaking about. 
That's not a problem that wakes you up in the middle of the night where you're like, oh my goodness, my air conditioner's not working. That's not, that's a problem. Now, you might be worried about how am I going to pay about, how am I going to pay that? Okay? But that's not a problem. But it is a problem to go to the doctor and he tells you, you've got a heart disease issue. You've got blood pressure. You've got diabetes. You've got cancer. Some of those things, you just can't flick your fingers and hope they go away or pay for something and help it go away. Some of it, it doesn't go away, does it? That's a problem. You've got a crisis in your marriage. You've got a crisis in your family. You've got a crisis at work. Those are issues that don't go away just like that. You and I would not be intimidated by an air conditioning going out of our car. We'd be irritated, especially if it's really hot and muggy outside and you've got the windows rolled down and it starts to rain. That's irritating, but that's not intimidating, right? Health issues are intimidating. Unexpected bills and you're not knowing how you're going to make ends meet, that's intimidating. Getting a pink slip at work, that's intimidating, right? The crisis intimidates you. That's what's going on here. The, the Jews, the Israelites, they're intimidated by the Philistines. They're intimidated by one guy, this huge, giant guy. They're intimidated. The crisis intimidates you. And so naturally, when it intimidates you, you want to respond in fear. So here's the second thing. Fear dominates your thinking and your actions. Fear dominates your thinking and your actions. Here's what happens. When that crisis happens and it intimidates you, you begin to think in terms of only that crisis. You know what I'm talking about? You begin to think only in terms of that crisis. That's all you talk about. You ever been with somebody? They're going through it. You talk to them. How are you doing? Oh, well, this is happening. And, well, hey, did you see the Steelers play? Yeah, but you know what's going on in my life? I know it's bad with them, but man, look at what's happening. And that's all they think about is their problem. Because they're afraid. So let's, let's, let me just go ahead and say it. I'll say it for you because we won't say it out loud. You and I face situations all the time that we're afraid of. It scares us. We don't know how we're going to make it. We don't know how we're going to get through it. Am I right in saying that? I mean, that's just reality. And that fear will dominate our thinking. It's all we think about, and it dominates our actions. It's what makes us make the decision of what to do in a certain situation. Fear dominates your thinking and your actions. Now, here's the other thing I want you to see. Well, here's faith. Faith, let me just kind of go along with you. I won't read the scripture to you. Here's this guy, David. He's sent by his dad. Go up and see how your brothers are doing because all of Israel has gathered for the war. And so David goes up there and he sees this spectacle because this thing of the giant coming out is every day. Every day the giant comes out, makes this challenge. Hey, who's going to fight me? I defy you guys. Everybody's scared. 
Well, David starts expressing, who is this guy? Who does he think he is? God can take care of him. And guess what happens? Of course, his brother says, well, you're just wanting attention for yourself. You see that little bit of interaction there. But then finally the king, Saul, hears about this, and he has David brought before him. So I want us to go all the way over in chapter 17. I want you to go with me all the way over to verse 31. Now when the words which David spoke were heard, they reported them to Saul, and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go out and fight with this Philistine. All right, folks, this is a teenage boy. This is a teenage boy. In his late teens, he's going to go out and fight this dude. That's what he's saying. So you've got to grasp what he's saying here. Your servant will go out and fight this Philistine. And Saul said to David, You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are a youth, and he is a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep his father's sheep, and when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck and killed it. Your servant has both has killed both lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine is like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. All right, let's stop there. What do we see here with this young man? All right, we've seen the response of fear. What we're going to see here now is the response of faith. You say it's the response of craziness. No, no, well, in some ways, maybe faith is craziness. To the world, it seems crazy that you would trust God. But look at the response of faith here. I got four things I want to point out to you. First of all, faith sees God rather than the crisis. Faith sees God rather than the crisis. All right, I want you to hear me. Remember what I said to you when you operate by fear? Fear dominates what, folks? It dominates your thinking and your actions. Why? Because that's all you can see. All you can see is what the doctor told you. All you can see is the crisis in your family. All you can see is the situation at work or, or the pink slip you got from work. All you can see is that financial thing. All you can see is that problem, that problem, that problem. You sleep with it. You wake up in the morning and it's right there with it. You eat with it. You go throughout the day. Even when you turn on the radio, the radio is singing about your problem, right? Isn't it true? Or at least you think it is. It's just your problem. It's dominating you. In fact, that's all you can see. All you can see is it's like you've got the blinders on. Remember, have you seen the Amish buggies where the horses going by? They have the blinders. Why? So they can only see what is right in front of them. You've got blinders on, and all you can see is your problem, your crisis. But here's what I want you to see. Faith looks beyond the problem. Faith looks to God. Faith looks to God and says, 
my God can handle this. Remember I said that's the question earlier, is how big is your God? How big is your God? Now when I say that, can I just be honest with you? I'm not saying that God's going to remove you from all of your problems. A lot of times he doesn't. But the question is, is who are you holding on to in the midst of what you're going through? So faith sees God rather than the crisis. Do you understand me? It sees God rather than the crisis. Here's the other thing. Here's what David did. Saul says, okay, son, yeah, you think you can handle this, but he's a man of war. There's no way you can do it. David says, you don't know what I've been through and how God has helped me. And I've killed the lion and the bear. I've rescued the lambs out of their mouth, and I've grabbed them, think about that, I've grabbed them by the beard. That's getting close quarters with it, isn't it? And I've killed them. Because God helped me. Here's what he's doing. Here's the second thing. Remembering the Lord's past help strengthens your faith. Remembering the Lord's past help strengthens your faith. All right, now listen. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to put two stars by that statement. Because that's important. All right? All right, now listen to me. I want you to think with me for a moment. All right. All right, so I'm, I'm 53, okay? I'm looking out over this room. We've got various ages here from teenagers up to folks who are older than me. All right. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk for a moment to some of you folks who have lived a little bit, okay? If you, how many of you have lived a little bit? So that means you have experienced some difficulties in your life. You know what I'm saying? Have you experienced difficulties in your life? Too many, you can't even number them, right? Okay. All right, so here's what I want you to do. I want you to do right now is I want you to think for a moment about those last crises that you went through. Did you get through them? Did they kill you? Obviously not. You're here, right? Did you get through them? Do you remember that thing that you were so worried about five years ago that if you can't get through this, you don't know what life's going to be like? Well, here you are. You got through it. God got you through it, right? You don't know how. Can you, can you pause for a moment and think about how you were praying so much and trusting God to get you through it, and guess what? He got you through it. But you've forgotten. You forgot. You forgot the faithfulness of God through that last situation. And folks, it's the same God who loves you who will what? be with you through the next thing. See, that's what faith is. Faith is trusting in God. And so what David is doing, he's saying, you know what, yeah, this is a big dude, but I'm going to be okay because God got me through these other things. Here's what he did. I think that's maybe what sometimes we need to do is when we're in the midst of the crisis. Yes, I got this report from the doctor. There's no guarantees here, but I do know this. My God will be with me through this. That's where my trust is. 
He got me through this other thing. He got me through this. He'll get me through this. He'll be with me every step of the way. Remembering the Lord's past help strengthens your faith. That's what we got to do. We got to remember what God's already done in our lives. That's what David is doing here. Here's the last thing I want you to see about the response of faith. Faith is certain that the Lord will deliver you. Look at verse 11. This is, excuse me, verse 37. Look at what David says here. Moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. Sounds like he's got faith, right? Faith is certainty. All right, let's, let's do this. Let's go back. Hebrews. Hebrews 11. Here's what it is. Remember that definition I told you? Hebrews 11, verse 1. Let me just turn there real quick. Lost my bookmark. Hebrews 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. It's trusting in him. Holding on to him. In fact, listen to this, verse 6. Verse 6 says this, chapter 11. If you just go a little bit further in the passage, here's what it says. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That's what faith is. You can't please God without faith. You can't please God without trusting in him. I think we understand that, right? You know, I'm a dad. You know, I, I, want, I want my kids to be independent and, and fend for themselves, but I'll be honest with you, I like it when they need dad. I mean, I'll just be honest, every, every parent is like that, right? You, you want them to be independent, you groom them, but you know they're going to face things and it's good to be there for your kids, right? Right? The Lord is that way. And he rewards you for seeking help from him. That's what he's saying here. Faith is certain that the Lord will deliver you. All right, so let's, let's back it up. So here you are, you're in the midst of it, and you say, I don't have enough faith, I don't have enough faith. You have enough faith. Jesus says you have enough faith. You have faith like a mustard seed. Exercise it. What does that mean? Trust in him. Hold on to him. Believe him. God, you're the only one that helped me out of this. I'm trusting in you. Lord, you're not guaranteeing me the outcome, but I know that you will be with me. You will carry me through this. I'm trusting in you. I'm trusting in you. So what do we do with this? Here's two things. Two things I want you to think about, okay? Two things I want you to grasp. First of all, you must consistently settle the issue of God's sovereignty in your heart. That's the first thing you and I need to do. You must consistently settle the issue of God's sovereignty in your heart. Can I reduce it down to this? It's basically answering the question, how big is your God? That's the simple way of saying it. 
You've got to settle that question in your heart consistently. You've got to get up every day and decide when you take that first breath, when your eyes open up in the morning and you're looking like, oh, i got to get a coffee. No, no, the, next thing, the first thing you say is not that I need to get a coffee. You've got to say, God, you can handle this day. You can handle this day. Help me. Then you get your coffee. Did you understand what I'm saying? But you recognize, Lord, I need you. You can handle it. You've got to consistently settle the issue of who is God. Your problem isn't God. Your crisis isn't God. Cancer isn't God. Do you understand what I'm saying? God is God. So you've got to settle that in your heart. Here's the second thing. Allow your confidence and faith in God to guide you through the crisis. Remember when I said fear. If you let fear do it, fear will guide you through the crisis and it always ends up bad. Always. Fear, if you let it, will guide you through the crisis. I'm not telling you to let fear guide you. I'm talking about let your faith guide you. Let your trust in God guide you in making the decisions and moving forward. Allow your confidence and your faith in God to guide you through the crisis. That's what you and I need to do. That's what we need to do. That's what he's calling us to. And here's what I want to, I want you to hear me. You write these words down. You have the faith. Now act on it. Did you hear what I said? I'll say it again. You have the faith. Now act on it. That's the issue. You have the faith. You just need to act on it. You need to trust him. That's what you got to do. Let me pray for you.